So welcome everybody. Hello. Hey. What's going on? Hey. Hi. Welcome. Hey. Everybody, welcome. Oh my gosh, we're getting people coming in. Uh, literally, hi, Robert Charbonneau, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be referring to you by your first and last name probably the entire time, because I just love your name, the way it just sounds together, so I apologize for that up front. And so literally, Andy, Andy's been working with me for almost two months now, and Andy, what happens right as I'm about to start it? Shit falls apart. My phone literally Oh, God. So sorry, everybody, for coming in, and we're starting a little late, but that's because, you know, Angela Murray's got her shit going on. So how are you guys? Uh, I'm good. I'm just excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. There's going to be some good oh, stuff absolutely. here. So um, it's been a long time waiting. Absolutely. So, um, Robert, I have I have not had the privilege or the pleasure of meeting you. So um, can you give me a, like, a two and a half minute, like, who you are? And anybody else who might be joining us who might not be familiar with your amazingness, um, who are you? Uh. I, yeah, it's good to meet you. I, uh, yeah, my, my name is, uh, I'm Robert, uh, and I'm a teacher at, uh, uh, I teach English and journalism, um, in Reno, Nevada. Oh, wow. Well, I'm also an educator as well. Not quite the same subject as you, but super excited. So this is going to be a real deal kind of a discussion. Tonight. Nice. What do you, what do you teach? Um, I'm technically what they call an intervention specialist, which is just a fancy term for special education teacher. But mind you, um, I have taught biology for the past nine years. I've taught every subject there is. This isn't like a humble brag. It's just I've been in the co-taught. Like that's my that's my jam is bringing uh, different types of learners into the general ed environment. I've had some amazing, amazing, amazing co-teachers in my uh, career. So uh, mostly done science the last couple of years, but uh, Robert Charbonneau, I have taught English. In fact, I am actually in an English three co-taught class right now, reading all American boys. I'm having a really great discussion about it. Wait, um, an I'm English in, three I'm what? A, what was it? An English three co-taught because that means that there are students who um have just differences in learning. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I am teaching English this year. Um, we have not covered poetry. I just started second semester, but we're uh So I'm really looking forward to I'm in Ohio, though. So oh, okay. we'll, I have to chat afterwards, get some uh, lesson plans coordinated across, you know, state lines. Yeah, yeah. You guys just started your second semester? Um, No, we're actually wrapping up our last quarter. Sorry, oh, okay. everybody. I know, like... It, yeah, sorry, probably, I was like, that sounds educated. closer to where I'm at right yeah, now. No, but, yeah, maybe you guys start later in Ohio. Yeah. No, we're ending like the first week of June and then I'll have a summer break, you know, whatever that is, whatever, you know, it's, that's not a thing. Yeah, yeah me too, time, yeah. Right? No, no. But, um, it... I did ask my uh, my classmates, my students, we did a kind of a poll today. We're also doing, we're in the middle of uh, state testing as well. So I did do a like kind of a snapshot poll for uh, the, the youth of America, whether or not they thought about our subject, is poetry dead? And I got to tell you, the results are inconclusive. They're all <laughs> over the board. So we're going to have a real good debate tonight. So you're an educator, an English teacher, and also journalism, you said. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, did, what do you love most about um, teaching? Because my, te my, my students have no idea this is who I am. I hope <laughs> not, at least. <laughs> Uh, they should. It seems like you have a lot of energy and you probably are a lot of fun in class with your students. Um, oh, I am, but my poetry is not school appropriate. It's too dark. Uh, <laughs> too, too disturbed. 
Uh, expletives. Oh no! Oh well, I'm sh you know they use those anyway. You know. True. True. <laughs> they actually hate me for this because anytime you hear like the bitch. I go, where's the puppy? Is there a dog in class? I want to see, you know, or they say, hey, you're holding my shit. Take, give me my shit back. I go, ew, why are you holding their poop or their feces? You know, I say feces because I'm teach bio. So they think I'm annoying. You know, they think I'm <laughs> yeah, they love it. I think that's your, that's part of the teacher's role is to be annoying and, and make a bunch of mom or dad jokes. Um, they secretly like it, I think. And at least that's what oh, I tell my myself. <laughs> but I, you seem to really enjoy the education life. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, kind of fell into it. I wasn't, uh, you know, I got my master's in English, so I don't have an education degree. Uh, I work at a, a private high school, and, and so they, you don't have to have your teaching license um, to to work there, but I have my master's in English. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't my first choice, but I had, uh, I was uh, adjuncting uh, when I was getting my master's. Yeah, I uh, fell into it. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I Sorry, that's my fault, y'all. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I logged in and then my computer had the sound on. Like, cool. <laughs> you know how it is. That's all right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so I was adjuncting when I was uh, doing my master's, and that was my first uh, experience teaching. And I found that I really enjoyed it, uh, which I did not expect. Um, I was just kind of doing it because it lowered the payment for my for my tuition. Um, but I found that I really enjoyed it, and then I it was it kind of exposed me to the fact that I didn't know as much about the things that I, I thought I knew uh, when I tried to explain them to other people, when I tried to teach them. And so that was a real learning experience. Uh, and so realizing that teaching is like another way of learning and understanding the things that I like to study anyway, um, that was kind of what drew me to it. Um, and then, and then this job came up and I thought it would be a, a pretty good opportunity to try. And, uh, so yeah, I've been doing it for adjuncting and te teaching for maybe like six or seven years now. And, and oh, I wow. yeah, really love it. Yeah. So I, I, Andy's brought this up a couple of times. Andy was really, really excited about this conversation. I'm really glad, Andy, you brought this up. And I'm desperately to hear also what, Andy, what your perspective is on it. But you've been talking about this, no. this conversation for a while about the, is poetry dead? Because I remember when we first, the, the first episode I did with Robert Charbonneau, I know we, we, we had a quick, we had a discussion about, you know, his life is about also talking about poetry and talking about how, I mean, you know, just basically is it dead or is it just distorted or is it just, you know, like what's going on? Because it doesn't seem to see a lot of it, like how we used to, as opposed to like the days of Allen Ginsberg, how come poetry and writing seem to have an impact at that time? How come that same impact or similar impact is not as it is today? And then he had did lives one with Cassie, I think it was you did it with, mm -hmm. and then the, and then the first one you did with somebody. I think his name was Marcus or something. And it was very interesting because um, one thing you said that I thought interesting was that you believe that poetry is connected to language, and that it's an art form. And the people and the reason why people feel like it's dead because they feel like it's an art form that serves no purpose in society or public life. And it's interesting because. I feel personally that I don't think it's dead. I think it's just gotten lost for a long time. But 
in a way that I don't want to say distorted, but it's like it, it, I feel like maybe if we redirect poetry, then maybe it, it could have a more lasting impact, like as it did in the fifties and the sixties. Because if you look at poetry, it comes in different shapes and form. It comes in music as well, you know. And I feel like with music specifically, specifically hip hop music, I feel like it's gotten so destroyed. But I don't think it's dead. I think it just needs a, some kind of revival in a way that it's like, okay, it's, I don't want to say it's dying. It's just not in the direction that it needs to be. I think it's more like a distortion, I guess. Yeah, I might as well. Yeah, I think it's more distorted and it needs to redirect itself because it's lost its sense of direction. And maybe if we redirect it somehow, some way, then maybe it could be, um, have an impact again. And I was reading some articles that you had mentioned in one of your lives, which is interesting. But before I get into that, I want to see what you guys thought about what I was saying um, just now. Andy, I think that was really a great opener. I did want to mention that Angela, uh, Angela Sam had already mentioned that she's found that Instagram has made poetry more accessible. I've actually got a, well, I actually almost have the alternate opinion on that, but I don't want to discuss Instagram yet. I think that is definitely like Instagram and some mediums of like how is poetry accessible or how is poetry being marketed. But uh, Robert, why don't you go ahead and you start because uh, you're the guest and you're the one really opening this dialogue. And again, uh, this Andy, is true. Yeah. Andy and I, we, we, we believe in the open mic style. So before uh, Robert, we definitely want to start you off real strong. We'll give you the mic, so to speak. And uh, Robert Sharpenow, if you don't know, Angela Murray, she talks too much. So you cut me off. You cut me off, okay? <laughs> but um, uh, folks, if you want to uh, jump in or if you have a comment or a question, please don't hesitate. You can put something in the chat. There is a question button that you can add a question to us, and we'll be able to get that right away. Or we watch on the live mic, too. So please, like this is a conversation for all of us to be having. Uh, but Robert, you're a guest, so we want you to steer the ship. So, what do you got for us? I, uh, yeah, I, I think I, uh, you know, I posted a couple things uh, maybe at the beginning of the year after I'd read this article. I uh, can't remember what it was in now, the Atlantic or the, uh, the Times, or uh, but this person was making the, you know, the point that it is brought up. Uh, I would say it once every few years into the public conversation uh, about the place of poetry uh, in culture. And it, it, it always seems to revolve around the idea that, you know, poetry is dead or people don't read poetry anymore and, and poetry is on the decline. And um, I, I had been thinking about it, uh, you know, back in school, uh, when I was like collecting these articles and, and every time it comes up, I kind of add it to the stack and uh, I find it an interesting idea and uh, I find it interesting that the only way that the, uh, that the conversation about poetry rises into the public domain is when we're talking about what the value or the importance of poetry is. Uh, and I think that that's maybe worth thinking about as a poet uh, why does the larger culture, when they turn their eyes towards poetry, think uh, uh, that poetry is dead or that it doesn't really exist anymore? Um, and, uh, you know, to a, to a certain extent, I think that they are right. I think that it is, it, it is dead or, or it's always been, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. I think, you know, it, it's definitely not as popular as it used to be anymore. 
Um, there's also the the stance that maybe it poetry has never really had a, a large place in the public dialogue, and so it's a, it makes no sense to even say that it's dead because it's never really been that alive anyway. Um, oh, interesting. Because a lot of yeah. comments I got from adults were, because uh, I, I, the only thing I have color-coordinated on the uh, snapshot from at work today is that I left the adults in orange because I want to know what the youth, uh, I called them the youth, because uh, it's definitely not their age, um, versus, you know, the other adults who are educators. Because those adults, you know, as far as the sample size goes, you know, I'm talking to future millionaires, billionaires, I'm talking to future, you know, doctors, you know, potential writers, potential journalists, potential, you know, uh, insurance salesmen. But um, I wanted to keep the adults separate from that. But a lot of the adults that were like, yes, they said poetry never dies. Poetry never dies. But you said poetry never dies because you said it never was alive in the first place. I found that very interesting. Also, uh, Robert, this came up a lot too, and maybe this is really where the discussion actually lies, is what is poetry? Yeah, I think, I think that's the, I mean, that's what the, that's what the, maybe the topic elicits is uh, if it's dead, like what is it that's died? A, 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 and to that extent, I think the question is a good springboard because it does ask you, does, impose the question on you to for you to come up with an idea for what is poetry uh is there something that's called poetry that ha still has value today uh and, and yeah i think maybe andy brought it up before i think when we were talking last that uh you know i think poetry is isn't in a very deep way related to language uh, which is in itself a in a uh, in a way related to thought itself. And, and so I think that what poetry is, it has something to do with its connection on a very deep level with thought and how we come up with thoughts and how we kind of modulate and, and, uh, and change our thoughts um, with the techniques of poetry, which I think are like, you know, the use of figurative language uh, and, uh, and, I would say figures of sound and figures of thought. Yeah, I'm interested. What What did you ask when you're when you took that poll? Uh, is that just a like is poetry dead a left and right, and then they just put their sticker on one side or the other, and and then you yeah, talk about so, it? So I literally, well, no, I literally, uh, I it wasn't that deep, honestly. I just wanted their opinion, so I went, I asked as many students as I could throughout the day whether they're walking through the halls or they happen to be in the classroom for us. Uh, state testing or they were my own student throughout the day that I actually got the saw see oh my gosh I haven't taught English that well <laughs> um, and it literally was just a yes or no um, not everybody answered um, and there actually were quite a few people that were undecided so they were able to just put it straight down the middle so there isn't necessarily a spectrum and this is not uh, scientifically a sound. As a science teacher, I would also discuss that this is this. I would not publish this as actual data. This was just a sample size of whether or not what you thought walking through. Um, but again, I got a lot of great comments. Um, a, a lot of them, some of them who said yes said it's dead, or no, actually, this one student said it's not dead. It's just we don't do it the same way as it was. And I, this is, I thought that was very mm. profound. Also, um, I happen to be very lucky recently. I've been able to kind of leave my troubles behind, Robert, 
uh, Robert Charbonneau, and I got to go on a few little uh, vacations, so to speak. And I went and stopped in Nashville. And I happened to meet a really awesome group of people who have been doing a lot of live uh, mics, whether it's for adults. But they also did, I think, some work trying to get some students or young students um, involved. Um, I think they had students come in from out of town. I, I, I don't know if they're here, if they can talk about that or if we can get them on our show. I know I reached out. Uh, Andy, we talked about potentially getting one of the people to talk on the show, if they can talk about that. But it, yeah. it, it, uh, I think there is some something about the live poetry experience that is actually what could be what revives it. Um, whether it is a spoken word or just a poetry reading. But um, one student also who I did not necessarily have as a student of mine, I happened to come into a classroom a little bit early to get set up for my eighth period. And I asked again, I'm saying, if, you, if I hadn't seen you in the hallway and you hadn't voted in this poll, can I ask your opinion? Do you think poetry is right. dead? And then the student happened to come up to me afterward and say, are you doing it? What, is there anything going on with poetry here? And I go, oh, there's tons of stuff going on. I'll, I'll get you connected with the librarians. They do a lot of poetry clubs. And there's also some other resources in the neighborhood because uh, that area that the school is in is very rich with artists and poets. And, and it's, it's a great community. Although, of course, there's also a lot of educational, yeah. institutional stuff that we can get into in a different discussion or hover because I know we can get educational speak here. Right. But, um, um um, I just want to... What I want to say, though, let me finish the, the thought, Andy, is that the point I was trying to make is that he, they asked about Poetry Slam, and that he mentioned that he had done a Poetry Slam and asked this other teacher who had asked about it, because the Poetry Slam, the spoken word, I think since we're losing the movie theaters, we don't have them all, this could be the potential thing that brings us back together. Wow. <laughs> she, just went, she just did like a whole... You just did a whole science experiment. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, it's so good though. Um, I want to read um, because I think what they're saying in the comments aligns oh, with what yeah. you're saying. Um, so Angela underscore Sam says, "Do we want? Do we want its popularity, or do we prefer? Wait, what just happened? Or do we prefer the underground nature of poetry?" And then um, Elijah Abram said, "Poetry was more." private personal speech to a selected individual not to be open or oh, I'm too over mainstream society. Okay, I keep losing the... Sorry, okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I keep... doing it. I'll wait until you're done doing it. I'm sorry, dude. I'm, it's my yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, okay, now... Yeah, no. Now I can't find his... Uh, hold on, I was reading. Okay. Poetry is more of a personal, private speech to be selected individuals, not to be open or over mainstream society. I find which makes it better for it, not common, but very greatly appreciated. And then another person says, we've seen an upsurge in live open mics and poetry events in my area. It is pretty cool in my opinion. So I guess what the first question is, um, yeah, Oh, and then Angela Sam also said, I've always, I've always loved writing poetry, but it seemed like a lost art here in Australia, other than poetry nights here, but have found a revival. So I guess the question is, do we want popularity or do we prefer the underground nature of poetry, which is very interesting. Do you, would, would you consider this an underground form of poetry or do you think the undergrounds are more like the open mics that only you get invited to? Like one of those, like, uh, not a secret show, but only word of mouth type of, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, I think it's it's probably all underground. Uh, you know, there's there's open mics, and I've I've read uh, some articles about how those are are kind of flourishing as well. And um, you know, I, I, there's also uh, I'm in academic uh, or in academia, poetry is is fine and. And you're always going to find poetry in like in the New Yorker and in there's plenty of lit magazines. And, uh, but I think when you compare it to like any other art, uh, if you compare it to like film or television, if you compare it to uh, maybe music, which, you know, I, I think we could talk about maybe the crossover between music and poetry. Cause I think there definitely is some, um, when you compare it to other forms of art, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely down here where in terms of like how many people actually consume it and, and seek it out and look for new, new poetry uh, outside of maybe the hardcore fan base of poetry. Um, mm. And I think that's one of the tests of whether or not uh, an art is alive and well is how much is it sought out uh, by people who don't actually practice it. Um, and so, like, like I'm not a musician, but uh, but I love listening to music, and I'll seek new music out. And I'm not a director, but I'll go to movies and I'll watch TV shows, and I enjoy the art, even though I don't practice it myself. Um, and so, I think the extent to which a, an art is healthy uh, depends on how how many people consume it uh, outside of the maybe the the small number of people who produce it. Yes. I completely and in that way, it's like, very, it's very like not, not as doing not as well as the other, as the other art I, forms. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I, in fact, that's I, what I thought about. And Andy, maybe I've mentioned this to you. Is there, there, who's a fan of poetry who is not a poet themselves? And who, mm. is, who is that? You know what? There yeah. Has to be because there are people that buy into like again. I'm being stereotypical when I say poetry, and then I'm going to say this. There are people that buy into romance. So there's people who are definitely dedicated romance novel readers or uh, rom-com watchers, but they don't necessarily go, I need to go find poetry to read as a part of that experience. So again, who is the poetry fan who is not a poet themselves? I, that's, that's the question I think exactly. I, who is that? That's where I think the music does it's, come in. When you yeah. can transition poetry um, into other medium or bring that experience like a comedy club that's why i think the and andy i'm gonna, I'm gonna stop one last second because the last point i got for this is that if we can combine music comedy and poetry or live performance that might be the all-encompassing powerhouse where we can't have that artist revival because again, poetry alone will not be enough. It's eight people that want to hear themselves read their poem and also get involved by getting inspired. I get it so inspired by reading poetry, hearing poetry. We get inspired by each other's work. Who is the fan? How do we get them? Yeah, well, that's a good. Like, I watch comedians wow. and I don't tell jokes. And I'll go to a concert all the time that I still, at 40 years old, I'm down in the mosh, well, not the mosh pit, but I'm on the floor. Trying to get into the scene because I love you. You would go to a mosh pit, wouldn't you? I would. I'm pretty close. <laughs> um, AI Firefly said, responding to Robert, perhaps poetry currently only alive for poets. That was a question she had. Yeah, I would say so. I think I, I think that's the conclusion that I've come to. It. 
if it is dead in any sense, it's because it's only uh, it's only read by the people who practiced it. Um, and, and in that sense, it's dead. And I think that's you know how maybe an art form collapses in on itself is when the only people who practice it, like I saw the other day, uh, there just these weird, crazy videos on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter. I can't remember, but it was uh, of horse diving. Um, and there used to be this sport uh, called horse diving, where you would stand with a, you would you would ride a horse and you would be on a diving board and you would jump with your horse off the diving board into into water. Um, and uh, it's wild if you look at it. You're like, what the heck? Uh, it was back in like the early 1900s, I think. It was a video of this horse diving, and I. It, it was. It might have even been the Olympics. I don't know if that's if mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. misremembering it. But there's a sport that uh, that does no longer exist. Right? It's gone out and it's moved away because nobody. Well, it probably shrunk, shrunk like this. People used to watch it, and then other things came along, and now they watch those. And then only the people who practice horse diving uh, watched horse diving, and then those people eventually uh, felt, you know, dissolved away and. And so that's how I think an art dies is uh, is when it when it uh, maybe its its viewership collapses in so that only the people who practice it use it or consume it. Um, I think poetry is at that point right now, and that's not to say it's going to die completely because I don't think it can because I think it is connected to language fundamentally. But uh, but it is minuscule, and and I would say that maybe the answer is not to maybe add other things onto it. Like you're saying, Angela, uh, if we add music, if we add like live performances, uh, I, I've kind of gone in the opposite direction where I think like, what is essential to poetry that makes it valuable uh, as its own art form, as opposed to maybe, you know, appearing in, you know, cause there's plenty of works, there's plenty of novels and prose writing that's full of poetry, that's full of poetic language that uses poetry. It also is a part of, you know, screenwriting in movies. Uh, you can write poetically. Uh, you can write poetic dialogue for movies. You can write poetic lyrics for songs. Um, but is there so, something that's so essential then about poetry then? Because that's, that's just using, utilizing the, the expression. So is poetry just the way we write emotionally? And we kind of throw away the rules or we use really restrictive rules because poetry is more about the feeling than anything else. Is that, is that kind of what I'm asking mm. at this point? Because you're saying I can use poetry in other mediums. And again, what I'm asking, what is poetry? Is it just the expression of emotion? Well, it's interesting you say that, though. Um, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm, I'm, it just reminded me because Robert Charbonneau was talking about we see them in movies and stuff like that. One thing that came to mind was... Uh, a Tyler Perry movie called For Colored Girls, and it was actually based on poems by, um, I believe it was a book called For Colored Girls Who Had mm -hmm. Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Was Not Enough. That's what it's based on, that book. And Tyler Perry did his thing of the movie called For Colored Girls where pretty much, um, let's say, oh, we got to an argument, but then the response is, oh, I can't stand it more. It becomes a poem. That's the response to 
to the situation. And I and I would have thought like even that itself would have kind of gave more curiosity to poetry where like people want to know, oh, what else poetry is out there? You know, so that's, that's something I was thinking about as well. While you guys were, um, while Robert was saying what he was just saying. So I, I don't know. I just thought it to be very interesting. So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, I think my definition is something like poetry is the figuration of language. So it's the practice of figuring language, uh, literally like shaping it, it, it and, and by that extension, like thought, like it's kind of like the figuration of thought. It's the way of shaping thought so that it can appear into our minds in a in a clear way so that we can maybe i don't know visualize concepts uh tropes ideas in a way that makes sense to us um i think that's ultimately what poetry is and i think the study of poetry would be like the or the practice of poetry would be you know focusing on figurative language um and and so i think that if you could have a poetry that that is valuable, it's it's in that. It's in focusing in on uh, a study of of figurative language and how that works, like how something like metaphor works. Um, and I think in poetry, in the the purest sense of poetry, of you at home or not at home, but you writing uh, and getting your thoughts down and uh, using poetic language. Um, is the practice of 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 uh, figuring language? Does that make sense? No, no, that makes sense. A, and um, I don't have a full no, no, theory yet, but it's no, but it's interesting though, because no, no, but um, uh, because I was thinking about that article you have posted that you have responded to, where it says poetry died a hundred years ago this month, and this was uh, what was it, two thousand. December 29, 2022, there was an article that came out in the New York Times that says poetry died 100 years ago this month, right? But then I found a section where somebody was responding to that article. There was numerous ones too, but this one I found very interesting. Um, so it says, just because, so yeah, so this is by Matthew Walter was the person that wrote the article. Uh, the name of the person that um, responded, I believe her. And it, it, the person's name was Julian Proprier. I think I can't pronounce the last name. I'm sorry, but uh, it's interesting what it says here. It says just because poetry is not a popular art form in North America doesn't mean it's dead. If Mr. Walther would look closely, he'd see it thriving in local scenes. Poetry is a free; it's free to change into something Mr. Walther doesn't recognize as good, but it is not free to die. A poem is a process set in motion by a compulsion to sing in the teeth of death. As the world changes, poets change forms, and Mr. Walther has a right to feel shorthanded for short change, but his neglect for everything fabulous that happened since T.S. Eliot finished poetry off is puzzling. For instance, he ignores the influence of Whitman and surrealism on the beast and the impact of French poets like Apollinary and, I'm sorry, 
on the I can't pronounce that word. I'm so sorry. Quotidian rhythms of New York poets in the post-war American American boom, bypassing it at all. I'm sorry, bypassing it all to insist that everyone after Eliot has cursed to rewrite the wasted land, the wasteland. No vision so negative can win. In fact, as a teacher and a poet whose work has been published in this newspaper, I found that our art forms thriving and nearly secret history of struggle and triumph is one of the most lay people want to learn about. And I would guess that many young poets, MFAs or not, are captured by the thrill of becoming part of the story. America today is poetry curious, and it would be it would be wonderful to see more articles in the Times talking about poetry culture with love and humor. Poetry curious—that's a good word. <laughs> I'm, I'm poetry curious. <laughs> um, that was from the New York Times, but that was from January fifteenth uh, of this year. That was yeah. the an article. So yeah. Uh, Wait, I mean, seriously, I don't know. What do you guys think? That's a very interesting observation that the person... I mean, it's like we could agree to disagree, but I definitely think poetry comes in different shapes and form. Um, one thing you did say, I think, poetry is not dying. I, I, I don't think it can die. I think personally, based on what we've been talking about, I think it's all about interest at the end of the day, whether you like it and you're interested in it or you're not. That that's how I see I, it. I, I mean, I love poetry, but you know, because I get my inspiration, my uh, my inspirations from music and then from books, right? But it's mostly more music because that's what I grew up on. I always grew up on book. Um, I've always grew up on music, so anything I heard would come into this idea or something like that. And then books just came a little bit later because I would go to school or people would hey check out. Like Catcher in the Rye, for example. That's actually one of my favorite books, actually. And I got a lot of inspiration just from that book alone. But that came a little bit later, you know. But again, I think it comes in different shapes and forms because I think without that differentness behind it, I I, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think it's dying. I mean, do I feel like it's it's become diluted in such a stupid way, maybe, because I was having a conversation with someone earlier about how, let's say, if you write a sentence, automatically it's a micro-poem, and it's just like, uh, it's not a micro word, it's just a sentence. You know what I'm saying? So this is whole thing, and then they've created something that I don't think ever existed. There's all these different types of poetry they say. So I, I don't know. Um I definitely say that it comes differently, it shows up differently, and I, th I think that's okay. But again, I think it's all based on interest, in my opinion. Andy, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say, first of all, I think poetry will never die when it comes to if, it, if it's needed for a movement or a moment. So poetry has always been there when we have been in crisis, and a lot of times poetry has come to, for people to express uh, real generational trauma and grieving. This and is true. For that. This um, is true. However, true. I will say poetry is dying because of the AI movement. Robert Charbonneau, what do you think okay. ChatGPT? That's good. That's good, though. ChatGPT, uh, <laughs> students can turn in papers to you right now. They just need to type in a question. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. 
We talked about it for a moment. You can write poetry. It's killing the art community. What do you think? But that's interesting because... Um, wait, hold on. Wait, no, but Robert, I need to... Robert, wait. Robert, Robert, shut up. Very much no, but I'm good. Wait, I just have to make up this point. Um, you said about movement. That's true because it happened with Allen Ginsberg days, right? But during Black Lives Matter, there was poetry that came out there was during that time that people were po as a matter of fact, there's a few poets i follow that kind of outside of our circle but a different type of circle but they actually were there and they were reciting poetry in the middle of the crowd like i there's articles about that so it's interesting you brought that up now as far as ai i don't know i have it's okay, just, I mean, i'm still trying to understand robert, so go ahead no no so that's what i wanted to say yeah. so now with that being said now go ahead robert yeah sorry i just wanted to Bring that up at no, least. No, I know. I appreciate you because yeah, that, we can talk, get into that too for sure. But Robert, uh, oh, and ChatGPT. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, we had our poetry unit. Uh, maybe at, we had a poetry unit at the beginning of the second semester, so it just got done like a few weeks ago. Um, and I think I failed uh, a bunch of uh, students because uh, they had used ChatGPT to write their. Uh, their poems for them mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. i could t i could tell that they had used ChatGPT because ChatGPT is really terrible about with writing poetry uh, -huh. uh like prose it can do really well uh, right now Our but poetry academic papers pretty pretty decent too i think i'd see yeah which kids try to try to throw those in yeah only i'm happy you're here yeah glad you're saying so chat gpt poetry oh that's the other co-host what's up guys for chanel though for now because you know it's always an evolutionary moment so as more poetry continues to be out there perhaps chat uh, gpt gets better at poetry well you would think that it would be able to be good at poetry because there's as much poetry as there is uh you know uh prose that it can That's draw right, from right. and but it's strange that it's very easy to tell when it's written a poem as opposed to when it's written prose and i think there was some article i saw some headline in the times about making that point um but yeah it's really interesting that i it's very easy to tell when it wrote the students poems and uh whereas you know other work uh, they've probably slipped by with some other work because it is really indistinguishable and you know i'm still working through how to incorporate it in a way that i find useful because i actually find it really useful uh myself and i use it um you can do uh, lesson plans on it it could do yeah lesson plans i haven't used it for lesson plans but i, I, I like to talk it at all i i i got my own shit my own head i gotta deal with so i don't i don't have time for ai i'll, you, yeah, I'll you use it for, for it's it's really good for like generating like we'll have vocab words and i'll be like mm -hmm. generate me some fill in the blank sentences that use these vocab words and that That's saves me cool. a lot of time uh, than having to like think of the trend. sentence itself. It's <laughs> right, useful. Um, it can be. I mean, but, again, technology can be. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know how to incorporate it in a way so that they're using it and they're asking the right questions and they're not just asking it to give them an answer. They're they're asking it uh, in order For to injury? find out an answer. Right. You know, like so I think that, that way it could be really useful. In, in um, well, first, let me introduce myself. Sorry, I'm late. Um, I'm Leon, as Andy um, had forced it 
Eddie and Angela Forstated. I'm the other um, co-host. Um, nice, nice to meet you. And um, I wanted to chime in on on what I thought about the Chat GPT. It definitely is a new frontier, um, especially when it comes to um, writing and everything. And to me, it's almost like, in a way, how the calculator was when it came to mathematics. It just made things a whole lot more easier. But then at the same time, um, in a way, it can make us more lazy as well. Because, um, like, oh, I don't need to think. I'll just have my AI do it. I mean, ChatGP can just do it. All right. I mean, I don't need to... Like, I don't need to really, like, you know, do that much critical thinking. And to me, that's a detriment. Now, um, you, had thought, you had said something about how it's not good at producing poetry. And I, I guess my theory on that is the AI hasn't been become that advanced yet um, to a point. But also, I think it's because, like, this about poetry, you know, how it just you know, flows from, like, the consciousness of a person, you know, and so far, I think AI really can't duplicate that or replicate that, um, if you will. Would you, would you say the same? Yeah, I think there's, uh, and good to meet you, uh, too. Uh, um, it, it, was your name, what, um, what was it again? Um, Living Canvas Poetry, but you can call me Leon. <laughs> Leon, okay, Leon, yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's something about poetry that ChatGPT doesn't seem to be able to do. Uh, and the things that it does do with poetry uh, are maybe not the, they're like the easier, the simple things. Uh, like it knows how to rhyme, uh, but it, and I think that's, that tells us something about poetry. And I think it has to do with um, the, the fact that a lot of, maybe what goes on in poetry is is implied uh, rather than explicitly stated. And the algorithm is not able to understand what's implied in maybe the movement between lines. Uh, and there's a, there's a guy who talks about, who said something like, uh, I think it was Harold Bloom, who said most of poetry proceeds uh, from ellipsis. And ellipsis is like what you leave out of the poem. And so like maybe the jump that happens between one line and the next line, uh, it, there's a gap, like something has been left out uh, in the voice of the poem and the reader is the person who's filling that in um, and the chat GPT can't fill that in. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it's missing something uh, and maybe it's that it's the way in which poetry is written uh, in in that it leaves things out uh yeah no i i mean i really get what you're saying it, um it does make sense and that's what i'm saying um i believe the complexity of the human mind cuz you know usually ai when it thinks it's always thinking to like logic and to statistics and what have have you and um when it comes to the human consciousness it um you know it's something that just cannot be uh duplicated or uh, well, replicated 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 
as easily as one one may think. Yeah, I don't think that it. I mean, it's getting better. Who knows if it if it will eventually be able to do that? I think there's something of moral in our consciousness that I don't think that uh, ChatGPT can replicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think poetry is a good example. And I think it's partly because poetry is so uh, is so maybe closely connected with thinking itself. Um, and so when you ask ChatGPT to write poetry and it can't do it, I think it's because it's not actually thinking and it's not conscious in the ways that we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Sean. Um, they call me also Elio Abram on Instagram. Um, I, I love what you guys are saying because you're right. Um, AR, AI can't get the understanding because usually poetry is like a hidden meaning within a meaning. And that's the reason why the machine would not get it because you have to understand we're taking old stuff and reincorporating it, like our description. Instead of saying the color red, we might describe it through a rouge color on her cheek. And then yeah. they'll use that as informed. And then the double the, 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 the entendre on top of that is they'll take that and put it into poetry. Instead of saying the color red, they'll say, well, at the time when her cheeks were slapped and that was the color, how he felt inside. Hey, I don't mm-hmm. understand that because you just, you just took something from the old and you just did a description from it. So people who understand the old meaning, they understand what you're talking about. A slap on a person's face, their face usually turn red. And that's what they meant by the thing. And that's how the person felt inside. So he basically, when you do poetry, you just tuck that and you just paint a picture. But people that don't have understanding of the old talking about the meaning of that, they won't get it. And AI don't know what it's talking about because they, they don't know where to pull it from, where to pull the, the, the thought from. Because people who experience it, they know, yeah, when you get the cheek, your face turns red. And that's how he felt inside. And so therefore the description of it, it becomes more so people that people that get it, they get it. And the other people that don't get it, they don't get it. But later on when they look back, they have learned, you know, what word means and how description things is, they'll understand like, oh my goodness, that's what that meant. Yeah. Wow. And that makes it so exciting. The things and idioms and um archaic meanings that no longer in use. Oh, did you want to say something, Angela? You're mute. You are mute. Oh. <laughs> Remember that book? It was called um, Tales of Two Cities. That was one of my, I think that was great poetry in there because there was so many, um, it had double meanings and people didn't understand it. And so when I was had that explained to me, I was like, wow, that is really a really, really good book. Uh, most people, they wouldn't understand it. But um, when, you, when you start getting into the, the English language or the way people speak from the way people write, that book cap- captures it in a way. <laughs> What do you think? I was Robert? muted. Oh my god. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. All I was saying was I learned from Robert and Leon about what you thought about what you just said. And so I didn't that, say anything else. That's what I was Thank you, all I was doing was just tossing the conversation like a like a like the moderator would. That's all. Oh, okay. um, I do want to say this too, though, in the chat that uh, word player muse here also just commented that um, I don't think poetry oh. as an art form is dying. I just think there is so much infiltration in the visual, uh, the virtual visual arts, um, into the population that it's taken actually a back seat. So, do you guys? Um, one, I want to hear all, uh, more about the fact that the computer doesn't understand that there's the double meaning do you or also this is actually 
Robert Charbonneau, what is the book that really your students go, holy moly, this is really what's going on? Uh, um, a book that they really enjoy. Uh, I mean, I think that they, like, they end up liking all of the books. Brave New that... World. Brave New World for me, my Brit Lit class. Like, oh my gosh, I freaking love Brave New World. Uh, I loved it. Like, that was such a great book. Like, Catcher in the Rye, of course, is like one that people talk about. That, like, that's oh, the book that's... that woke yeah. me up. What's the book that wakes <laughs> students up? You know? Did you say that that wakes them up, or that's what woke you up when you were in high school? <laughs> I'm asking, what books wakes your, your students up? Do you have a book that you like to teach that, that wakes them up? And to, like, whoa, this is a world out there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love teaching. I teach, uh, we'll read Kurt Vonnegut, uh, Slaughterhouse Five. Um, we do some Shakespeare, some Julius Caesar. Uh, we did, uh, we do The Awakening, um, by Kate Chopin. Uh, and uh, we did The Plague when, uh, when COVID hit. That was really fun to draw some parallels uh, between what was happening in real life and what was happening in the book. And they seemed to really, uh, they, they didn't seem like they liked it at the time. But then when I asked them to vote on which book they liked the best at the end of the year, they voted for that one. And, and they will still come back and talk to me about that one, which I found was, was very strange. I find it figure out what it is that they actually like. Cause uh, you know, sometimes it, it takes them a while uh, and to like, but it sticks with them. And so then they'll like come back to me the next year or the next two years and they'll talk about that book again. And I'm like, oh, you, it didn't seem like you enjoyed that book at all. Or you didn't mention anything about it when we were talking about it. And, you know, some books I feel like are, they, they what, they're like a delayed release. Um, and so they like, they hit you like later in like a couple of years. Um, Poetry, I found they really like poetry, and maybe that is just because of uh, my passion for it. Um, so what poetry do they really get into then? Uh, gosh, what do we look at this year? <laughs> do like new stuff every year just to try out new stuff because I'm like a new teacher. Um, and this year we did a lot of... Uh, we did a lot of Dickinson, um, which yes. they, yeah, they really liked. Uh, they really liked Emily Dickinson. Um, what else did we do? Uh, we looked at some some Blake. Uh, we looked at some Wordsworth. Um, I kind of structure the class based on like different forms. And so we'll look at different maybe types of poems. Like we'll spend a week on like haiku and then we'll spend a week on like odes mm -hmm. um, or then we'll spend a week on sonnets. And so within those forms, we cover a bunch of different poets to see how they're working with the forms. Um, and I find that a good way to, to go about it. Um, but yeah, they really spawned Dickinson. Um, they did, did not like, who was the guy who just died recently? <laughs> There's a poet who died. Uh, There's a poet who died not so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember who it was. To me. And 
Yeah. Right. I wanna, we'll to me, have. I feel like I Shane, it wasn't Seamus Haney, but I think that I want to say that it's Seamus Haney, but it's not, and I don't know why. Uh, uh, who was it? Let's see. Wild. They did not like this person. <laughs> no, they Sometimes, did not. When I was teaching like little kids, so like when I was teaching little died, kids, but they didn't like them. Either, so I, I was maybe poetry back to like that we don't nursery rhymes. Back to nursery rhymes. Yeah, we do. Like uh, we do ballads. They love. They love that because a lot of rappers are you're using Dr. Seuss mind. Like you know what? Uh, they, they love that because that's what you grab. You grab the young attention because yeah. that's what they first brought up with um, Mother Goose. Um, those type of nursery rhymes, you go back to old school like that, so you can pull from there because there was a lot of rhymes and a lot of poetry in that stuff, and they would relate to that really quickly. And that's what yep. I find when I work with little kids. I mean, work with teenagers now because they go back to their, their childhood and you pull from that, and then they're like, oh, I get it. I have a nursery rhyme. And then that's where they get their, because a lot of kids are into rap and they're into music. And so when they pull from those old nursery rhymes, especially when the new rappers reincarnate, re, 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 reinforce those old rhymes, they're like, oh, I know that. What was that one song that was really famous about? Um, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Dr. Seuss, but he was talking about, um, they were, it was really big back like years ago. It was really big because the rapper used that in his rhymes about, um, Walk out, walk it, walk it like you talk it, walk it like you talk it. It, it was really big on that. It was like so huge. <laughs> so for no, me, I don't know that one. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it came out like well over ten years ago, yeah. well over. 10 years. Yeah, but um, for me, what I think books for me in school that really drew me, um, Macbeth. I'm in love with oh. this, that 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 story just hit me, and I remember like. Um, when I was in stories, I was that one kid who would get very animated whenever the teacher was like, I want you to play a role of, and that was what we would do. So we would read, like, you had to read and put yourself into the character. So I was just so animated, play, playing, like, two of the characters and everything. Another book, um, it's not a poetry, but it's another book that really touched my heart, um, The Red Badge of Courage. Um, um, that though that, that that's another one that really um yeah i i love that one i, I could always go back to that one that's great i mean those books really uh what about that one though leon why what about that one really got you but the red badge um mm -hmm. if you don't mind yeah um i think what got me the red badge of courage was just um the bravery and the resilience that the main character had and the love that he had for his, like, friends in the midst of the um, battlefield. How, you know, there was, in the midst of impending doom that was around all of them, it's like that he found a way to, you know, have, to try to have, have camaraderie and everything in, in the midst of him being, like, un, under all of this extreme pressure. And um, that that's why I really loved. And I feel like the book, the way it was written, um, you really get in tune with the different personalities of that book. I'm like, you, and I, and I love a book that you can read it and it kind of just transports you to that place where you're just reading it and you just want to learn more. You want to learn not just about the character, you want to learn more about the landscape. You want to learn more about 
what they're thinking internally. You know, um, you want to know, hey, hey, maybe we can get some background on, you know, families, things like that. And so I love, I love that. When it comes to poetry, uh, what I love about poetry is the, whether it was written yesterday, whether it's written a hundred or thousands of years ago, um, it, poetry can pull you, your heartstrings in a way where you can feel the exact same way that Arthur did no matter how long ago and you're able to relate and put yourself into that very poem. And like, wow, that's exactly how I feel at this moment or in this time. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's just universal language and it's it's quite incredible. And that's why the so it poetry like, is... Yeah. And that's like why I feel like... Going... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you finished, Leon. Okay, and that's okay, and that's why I feel like poetry. It may feel like it's dwindling down, um, but I don't really think poetry can ever try because if you think about the thousands upon thousands of years, it has endured, has gone through multiple transformations and transitions through different, you know, multiple styles, and yeah, I. I think poetry is always on its way of uh, evolution, you know, so I... Yeah, I think, uh, do you think that uh, something that lasts long, uh, a piece of writing that has the ability to last longer and endure through generations is maybe a quality that makes great piece of literature? Mm, of course, I think so. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, I, I think so. And it also depends on the audience as well, you know, because poetry can be um, objective. You know, there's like, this is the greatest um, piece of literature ever written by mankind in existence. And there's other people who like, they completely loathe it and dislike it. So I, I believe um, that's the beauty part about poetry. It can be um, objective, but at the end of the day, there still is some appreciation by by, by other people. Yeah, I think... Well, uh, I was going to say that it was kind of connecting no. back to what you were saying before, Robert, that, that poetry, really, if we could define it, it is all about the, the literary experience. Mm. That's kind of what I took from Lance. The experience, the word, the language, the use of it, and how we can twist around the, the okay. wording, and that, and how that's what I'm saying. I think Lance was connecting it all back throughout what we had been discussing earlier. That's all I was trying to say. Um, I am going to say something controversial, though. I didn't get that. Could you try to I know that you spoke on this on one of your other discussions on a similar topic, but um, I did want to say really quickly, though, on Friday, we are going to be having our guests over here in the corner join us on Friday for our open mic and discussion for the first hour. So on Friday, uh, he'll be joining us. But um, before I kick him out, I do want you to be a part of this uh, real, real quick uh, controversial topic with that. Robert, I know you had spoken on before. I'm gonna, I am going to say this, that I think there has been a decline of reading. That people are not reading as much mm -hmm. as they are. Now, there are people who will, and there are people who read extensively and for duration and have the endurance and, and do. But I, I'm going to say, overall, I think people are not reading. 
So uh, that's that, that's yeah, the conversation no, yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, I don't think maybe a, a contra I don't think it's a controversial statement at all. I think it's true that like people Gary. don't read as much as they as they have you disagreed with that. I thought I heard you say that before in one of your other I, I was reviewing some of your older uh, conversations on this topic and, and you had said that you thought that people were reading. If it was an older comment. So you think people are not reading as much anymore? No, they're definitely not reading as much as, as they used to. Uh, I think I had some stats for that. I was quoting some some study uh, that was done a few years ago about the amount of people who have bought a book or read a book or read a book of poetry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people people definitely don't read as much as they as they used to anymore because there are other you know forms of art. Uh, I, I think that means means that it's it's worth asking is there something still valuable about uh about reading that's worth preserving um i think that extends into the question of poetry too is there something about poetry that's worth preserving or worth seeking out when you have all these other forms of art like why would you i think it's a genuine question why you would read as opposed to maybe just go see a movie um or why you would uh, even read a why well, you would read a poem when you could just read a book, you know? Yeah, uh, and I think it's worth thinking about. Why. Yeah. Because why? the movie is never as good as the book. Ever. Yes. You gotta read the book. Yeah. Why, is it, I, I, why, why isn't it as good as the book? I think Because you can't, because in a book, there are so many. I think uh, Elijah Abraham maybe even mentioned it before when he was describing the fact that, you know, a smack on the you know face isn't just a smack across the face in a book. You really get into not only the physical sensation, but the emotional sensation and the and these other bits and pieces along the way that led up to that moment of a slap, a simple slap across the face. In a, in my in a visual experience of just watching a movie, you're not necessarily engaging in all of those microcosmic portions that the word, the language, the description seems to lend itself to. Me. Yeah, there's. I don't. I, I I don't remember. Gosh, it's gonna kill me. I have to look it up. Because I, I spent the time to read a 600, I think it was like 697 page book of a movie that I think Michael Sarah was the main character. I'll look it up while you guys are chatting about it. But I, I wanted to read okay. the book to see if the movie was anything good. And it was so bad. I almost like, I couldn't even believe it. But I loved it so much. The book was? Yeah. The movie was. The movie the was terrible. The book was so freaking oh, good. Saves the world. Something saved the world. No, 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 the, no. Um... Scott Pilgrim, because that's a graphic novel. This was a, this was a, a huge book. Um, I am, okay. and then um, yeah, I agree with you on the Andy, Andy back. But uh, uh, before I could do that, um, okay, Elijah, do you have any last thoughts or anything before I kick you out? Yeah, my my last thoughts was um yeah more more of the days the um education level in the school is not as good so they're not really focused so they're teaching the children <laughs> other things. You're talking to two teachers tonight. I know, oh, but y'all y'all know y'all know. It's true though. It's true though. But um yeah, so so kids now nowadays they're like on their phone and they forgive me how to spell stuff because they're always using that um they write the emojis and stuff like that so they don't know how to they don't know how to write and they definitely don't know how to read that well so they're not reading books because if they were they're they're they're
their language would be a lot better, but it's not, it's getting worse because it's broken sentence. So people are not reading books, but those artists that they follow, those, those, those artists that they like are reading the books of poetry, are getting their information from the poetry, doing the research to get that. So they go back into poetry. So the people that they idolize is doing the work, but the people that are actually listening to it are improved, are appreciating the work, but they're not doing it themselves. That's the problem we have. They're not pushing the knowledge themselves. They just rather read a watch a movie, and the movie doesn't capture, like you said, the movie does not capture the whole entire thing. If you read a book, it's like when you read the when you read the book of Harry Potter, the stories, it's a lot better than the movie because the book covered so many different angles that they couldn't put it all in the movie. And right. a movie, they cut things down so they can fit into the screen. So they miss out on the great quality of it. And they only capture just the small little quick cor corpse of the movie. And they miss out on the details. What do you think? I, I have to agree. Um, you know, that's about like reading a book um, or reading them and that you catch the yeah you catch the nuances um the small little nuances and not only that but when you're reading the book um your creativity um more because when you read it, it it feels personal you know what it feels personal rather than just like watching a movie and seeing like someone else's vision but like when you're reading the book even though some another author wrote it like you can envision it's like you can envision. Like it resonates with you differently in the post to how it resonates with you in the movie. Let's say, for example, like I get what you're saying too because I definitely agree with that. Um, I I I don't want to say I wonder why that is. Rather, I think what I'm really want to say is I find it interesting that it's more intimate. It's like when I like like you and me, particularly Leah, because we do read the Bible and there's a lot of poetry in the Bible too. And it's interesting how certain aspects of Ecclesiastes, I'm always going to mention Ecclesiastes. That's actually one of my favorite books in that Bible because it resonates with me in the way like, okay, he's glorifying God, but then he's also saying, well, at the end of the day, all this is, it's, it's, it's meaningless at the end of the day because it's all going to come to an end and we ain't going to live here no more. It's like, this is good, but this is also bad. I'm like, wait, but why do you say that? You just contradicted yourself. You say God is glorious, but yet you're also scared of him too. And it's like, wait, what, what, what happened here? You know, and I love, but it resonates with me in that way because I'm like, wait, when I read it, I, I'm the kind of guy, like, like when I'm reading something, whether it's that or peace, I put myself yes. in the situation as, as if I'm the one living that situation. So I can have an understanding where I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not understanding the situation how he understood it, but it helped me understand in a way that, oh, wait, even though I never went go through this. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised. There has been some stuff that I've read in the past where I'm like, wait, I actually went through this. Or let's say, oh, I, I haven't gone through it yet, but when I do go through it, I don't want to say, oh, I'm going to peace. Rather, it's going to remind me of certain things of that piece or that thing or that article I read that made me remember that, if that makes sense. Um, I don't, um, it's interesting to do because I've had, situ I've had conversations with people that, let's say we're having a conversation right now, but then it will remind me of something I read from a long time ago. Let's say, for and example, yeah. and I think that's why the difference between reading and opposed to, like watching something in a movie, let's say, I feel like you could kind of capture the same, but it's not as intimate in the same way in opposed to actually Yeah, I definitely it. 
totally agree, Andy. I think you're right. When you're reading the book, you're going through that cognitive frontal lobe is really activating because you're processing the language with multiple areas of your linguistic side of your uh, brain. And also you're connecting it to things that you've experienced in your life or emotions you felt in your own experience. Uh, Robert Sherman, what do you think about that? Also, however, I do need to correct a few things. It, what, uh, I did find it was Youth and Revolts. C.D. Payne is the author. It wasn't 600 pages. It was only 498 pages. I'm sorry. It was not 600. It was only 498, but it was incredible. incredible. It's about Nicholas Twist and his whole experience, but the movie sucked. And I liked Medical Sarah as an actor, but that book it was so freaking good. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, Robert Sharpen, what do you think about uh, reading versus the movie experience? Um. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're all like touching on, uh, I think one of the, probably the main differences, like when you're reading a book, you're actually, you're engaging, uh, you're engaging in the same way in which you're, in which you normally have a conversation with yourself in your head. Uh, like, so you have all the voice in our head, our consciousness that's, uh, you know, just talking to us and we can have conversations with it. And then reading a book, the solitary act of reading a book when you're sitting down is uh, the book is kind of uh, not doing the th thinking for you, but it's using the same train of thought that you have when you're thinking, which uh, is a very active thing as opposed to maybe sitting and watching a movie, which is a very passive thing and the images are coming at you. Uh, and so that's maybe why it does feel more intimate to read rather than to watch a movie is because the when we're reading the where where we're hearing the thought we're hearing the words in our head uh as we're reading it uh so the words are in our head there they be, they become our train of thought uh whereas maybe when you're watching a movie maybe you have a thought when you're watching a movie about the movie you'd be like oh i see that they're doing that or oh i see that they're doing that but when you're engaged in reading and like the solitary act of reading uh your thoughts are the same thing as the thing that you're reading in the book. Uh, and yeah. there's just such a closer, uh, there's such a closer relationship between the book and you than maybe the book and the movie. Sorry, you guys see me wagging my hand and that's my way of letting you know that I'm really passionate. I have a question for you because this is the question I've had. As you guys know, I'm an intervention specialist, which if you don't know, that's a special education teacher, which is a student for people who are different able learners or traditionally you've learned them as students with disabilities. Is reading the act of reading silently to yourself or is being able to listen to an audiobook consider reading? The reason I'm asking that is um, in the state of Ohio, we have a reading test. And you can listen to any other test in the state of Ohio, whether it's a science test, an American history test, a government test, you know, math test, you can even listen to it. But if it's a reading test, it's strictly only just, you know, visual. Now, obviously there are students who still require access to audio, whether, cause you know, students who have a, who have been diagnosed with dyslexia, that is something that is, you know, more severe that they cannot just like try and like practice a few times. They have a legit, difference when they're looking at letter combinations sometimes symbol you know is reading only to itself or is audio considered reading robert as an english teacher that's I good and I that is good well, again, that I is that it, good i want to know because it's they're testing reading comprehension is that a part of reading comprehension that's good I, wow um i want to say um 
So for somebody who has um, ADHD, um, and I don't know, for some reason, I feel like as I get older, um, it could be because, you know, brain to mass, social media scrolling and everything. Um, but sometimes I feel it harder to concentrate and read, uh, even though I still love reading. I've always loved reading. But when I'm listening to it on audio, I still feel like my brain is still receiving it. Because sometimes I don't want to sit back and read it. Sometimes I just want to listen. And I feel like it still can put your brain in this kind of meditative state where you're still receiving the information. And then, you know, if you miss something, you can always, you know, slow the speed down or sometimes rewind and go back so you can receive the information. And I still think it as reading because I feel like your brain is still receiving it the same way as if your eyes were looking at the words um, and, and receiving it. Yeah, I, I think I would disagree. Was, uh, I think I would disagree. I think that they are. I think that they are different. Mm -hmm. uh, it, but I don't think that like there's anything wrong with them being different. Like I love listening to audiobooks, um, and sometimes I enjoy that maybe better than reading for for certain for certain books. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I've been waiting for this. But, I've been waiting for this because I I, I have a theory, and I want to know uh, your finish your thought because you're the you're the expert. Honestly, you are the expert as the English that you're mastered in not, English, not in education. I understand that. I my master's is not technically in education either. I have a psychology degree, and then I have a master's in special education with licensure. So I'm in the same kind of boat that you are, Robert Charbonneau. But I tend to want to believe that fluency and comprehension that we can maybe potentially split into two separate categories. But um, I want to hear from you, but you're the actual expert. You're the one who actually has the degree in English and perhaps can actually shed a light to why you are saying they are different. Well, yeah, probably not. I, I think you would probably want to get like a, what a neuroscientist in there to figure that out. Like what, what parts of the brain are being activated when you're reading silently to yourself as opposed to when you're listening. Uh, I, I just think like uh, from my experience where there is a difference between solitary reading when you're just reading by yourself in your own mind uh, and then having something spoken to you. Uh, it's different because you're, you're using your own voice in your head when you're reading something on the page by yourself. And that's, I think, fundamentally different than having something spoken to you um, I just think it's a different it, it's a different experience and it, it affects me differently like it affects me differently uh sometimes the same book like uh what i've been reading recently like the the idols of the king by tennyson is mm -hmm. uh a series of longer narrative poems by tennyson about some of the arthurian legends and uh i've read it uh uh solitary like by myself uh quietly and then i've also listened to it because there's this great uh voice actor who uh did it on audible and and i think it's a different experience both times um uh yeah yeah well they're both valuable i think that in either in any way that you can get it uh literature you should you should get it and uh um i think they both have maybe 
people both maybe do different things for you, and I think that they're both valuable. That's wonderful. I just want to say hi to a, a, a guest of ours that had joined us. Um, I I had met this gentleman Frizzy um, during uh, the my uh, Nashville, and I had spoken about what you were, had uh, brought up earlier. So I don't know if he's available to jump in and talk about the students that came out uh, and visited with you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to request and see if he's available to join us because um, we're talking about whether or not poetry is dead. Uh, we've been talking about that for quite a bit with our guests. Oh, okay, not in a good space. That's okay. Um, but we did want to talk about... Um, that's okay. Never mind, Leon. You can come oh, back. Yeah, Leon, just, uh, the reason I wanted to see if you could talk on that because we were talking about whether or not um, poetry is dead or not. And we had, I had spoken to some students earlier, um, asked them whether or not um, they thought uh, poetry is alive or dead and you know when I met with uh, Frizzy we spoke about some of our students and, or my students and a lot of them said yes that was dead because it's not the same way or no it's it's not dead because we still utilize it so um, I'm just so happy you were able to join us either way so I'm gonna still I'm gonna try and get our friend Leon back and unless anybody else out there wanted to join in on the conversation with us um, Again, just go ahead and request that. Um, I'll bring Leon in while we continue that conversation. Oh, well, yeah, you know, you can't come in while you're um, driving. It's interesting. I wanted... Okay. okay. Um, I just wanted to read something that was said earlier okay. because I think uh, about poetry that I thought was very interesting. Um, this one, World Player Muse. Um, so when COVID happened, there was a sudden, there was suddenly a lot of time and a lot of fear and poetry offered people a means of overcoming chaos. I witnessed the growth in interest. It was great. And I believe she said, what else did she say something else after that? Hold on. She also said, so people are reading, but different, uh, but definitely reading. The purpose stands to question though, times are rapidly changing is what she said. And she also says, why would anyone read? Why would they get visual gratification without the effort? Okay. So as far as the 2020 was a very interesting time because um, I feel like and this, is, this goes back to what I said in the very beginning about Allen Ginsberg and the lasting impact. There is possible change for it to go back to something like that. And I think 2020 was a perfect example of that because there was, for the least five, six months that we were on the lockdown, there was some form of a renaissance that happened during that time because it, everybody was going live. Everybody, and I mean everybody, like it's because of that 2020 thing. I found the communities I never even heard of. I interacted with people. I never even knew existed from all around the world that during the daytime, oh, I didn't know this was happening. And, and now we started following each other. And there was, um, although we were in different parts of the world, but one thing I can honestly say we've all had in common is the fact that we all had that one common bond. And it was to share poetry, it's to comfort each other during these hard times because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know. Because where I was at, like, um, Especially, like, let's say if I had to go visit my mom, uh, it was pretty difficult because I live in New Jersey. My mom lived in New York. And just getting to New York was pretty difficult because after a certain time, the trains weren't running or I had to leave at a certain time to get back home. And there was all these restrictions that were going on. Like, pretty much when I went to, because I had to go through Times Square just to go to, you know, take the train because 
the usual routes that I would take were I wasn't able to take the usual routes. And I found it interesting. Like I've never seen Times Square such a dead zone the way I did that day. And, and, and it, those during that time. And to me, that was scary because it, it gave me a sense of, um, what's that word? It gave me a sense of, oh my God, I, I can't find the word, but it, it just get, it just gave me that perspective, I guess. That's like, whoa, wait, this life, what if life really gets like that? And then what are we going to have left? And I feel like during that time of fear, there was that time of comfort. And I feel like poetry definitely did that during the Instagram days. And I feel like if that's the case, right? And also Black Lives Matter happened. And there was poetry a whole lot because of that. And like I said earlier, I know poets that are not really in our circle, but I followed them that they actually went to those rallies and recited poetry out loud. That... um. I remember this one girl I follow, her name was Erica Martin. She was in the middle of a crowd. I think it was Junior Square. I forgot what part of, because there was different ones, but the one she was at, she just started hugging people. Everybody started hugging each other. And it's like, there's another one, Leah James, who just started, went on top of a thing and just started reciting poetry. It's like, again, those things happened, but I feel like that form of words and, and, and you know, again, even though in the midst of chaos, those things brought um, comfort. And I feel like in that same way that happened, that's what happened in the 50s and the 60s too, because the beat generation was for the hippies era. So it just makes me wonder, like, I don't think it's dead. I feel like there's a chance for, um, for changing that aspect, if that makes sense. I really believe in my heart that we can have this form of impact I mean, why not? Like, why can it be? You know, I, and I think what I just mentioned were actual examples of that. Now, the crazy thing about that time, yes, we did see a lot of people's true colors at that time. But even in the midst of all that, there was still poetry being in, um, you know, a source of comfort. And it's interesting, too, because I noticed I started to see a lot of more believers, too, in that time that were coming out. And that were talking about God and talking about Jesus and reading poetry related to that. So it's like poetry came in so many forms that it gave that comfort for that 2020, 2021. And I feel like once the algorithm changed in 20, early, late 2021 to 2022, I think somehow, some way, everything got distorted in that aspect. But I definitely believe, I don't think poetry is dead. I think people, I feel like civilization is claiming that it's dying or it's claiming to be dead it's just like what they said in the article just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist so i mean I, that's i don't know i just came into this whole tangent i am so sorry god but i don't know that's just how i got that's what no I got poetry that. never dies Poetry never dies. That's what a lot of the adults said. That's what all the a lot of the well, so, actually, that's not true. So what? Andy, that's not true. Um, there were. Hold on. Let me get. Let me get some fake but accurate data because I did ask. No way. No, no. What's not true? That poetry's dying, no. or or what I said was true. Every adult said that poetry was alive. There were plenty of adults that said poetry was dead. I had one, two, three. I don't. Eight. I don't think it's dying. It's I just it. think it needs a redirection. I'm just saying. I said all the adults said that, but I wanted to be... No, no yeah, yeah, yeah. But you I'm get saying. what I'm saying, though? I just... Yeah, 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 But what I'm saying is I think it just needs to be redirection and 
re-inspired. Uh, re I get. I think, um, like I was saying earlier too about like music. I feel like music has tried to desecrate poetry when it shouldn't have because I feel like even though they use that in music, it's not the only way or it's not the only thing when it comes to writing. Um, Marcus Smith. That's funny because he did show up here earlier. I I, I don't see him now but he's i remember he said something on one of your lives he said uh we need less poets and more writers i believe he said something to that magnitude i just wanted your guys opinion on that because it just came to mind now as i was saying that and i know i went to a tangent i'm sorry no. guys but i wanted your opinion andy, on all on, these nobody things nobody goes on a tangent more than i do andy you're good you're good you go andy what do you think robert uh that doesn't sound like something marcus would say uh, but I, yeah, I got, I got to revisit that live again. I think he says something like that. We need more writers, or I got to, I got to, re, I got to revisit that again because he did yeah, say I something to, to that back too. Because I, I heard something backwards. I accused Robert of saying. <laughs> I said he yeah. said people are reading, and he said people are not reading. <laughs> people aren't reading now. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, I got to find that clip and I'll send it to you where I heard you say, people are saying people are not reading, but actually there are people that are reading. There are people that are reading a lot. I, that's, I remember you saying that, but maybe it was out of context. Maybe I missed something that connected you saying, no, actually people aren't. So maybe I missed that. Yeah. Well, Quillkeeper says like a revival. I'm like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's there. Just, I feel like some force is trying to stop it i guess I, I don't know i'm sorry robert you yeah, robert, you, you yeah i'm so sorry no, you're, you're fine you're what what are we talking about what's the topic uh, are we back to poetry's dead well, yeah we i thought we just basically said that it, it what do you well, robert what did we say i think we did come to a con, uh, consensus in general yeah i i uh, i think poetry is uh it's dead in the sense that it is not uh, uh, maybe a, as res as respected an art form as other art forms today. Um, but I don't think that it will ever go away, maybe like a lot of other art forms have, because it is mm. intimately connected to uh, the way in which we think uh, and uh, consciousness itself. Uh, because it's kind of, it gives us the tools to help us uh, visualize our thoughts, um, which is a useful tool to have. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's ever going away, but uh, but definitely as an art form, it languishing. Um, and I think that there are probably a, a bunch of different reasons for that. Uh, well, what's your reasons for that? Do you think Instagram killed it? I would no, that's a good one. Yes, or Instagram is, I think is not the poetry medium. It's poetry cannot live here. Poetry yeah, I think it's shared here. Poetry can be stored here. I dump all my poetry here for no reason. It's like my virtual trash can here. But well, it, I feel but like what I want to say is I am not receiving as much enriched poetry on through my experience through here. I get ads. I get too many uh, uh, things that are connected to the advertisement piece, the business of Instagram. So I, that's why I say Instagram can post yeah. it out here. 
poetry could be stored here, but poetry should not live here or be loved here. It could be discussed. But it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's interesting you said that because I remember I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to 2010. They used to be platforms that wasn't Instagram um, that you were able to post poetry, right? There was uh, Bebo. There was all these things. There was, um, as a matter of fact, when people had MySpace, there was a section that you could put a blog in and there was no algorithm. So let's say if you had 20 friends, all 20 friends saw your post. Let's say, for example, there was no algorithm back then. There was no limitations back then so with that being said i feel like there was more platforms back then there was also i don't know if it exists anymore it's called a writer's cafe i don't know if that even exists anymore but there was all these stuff that you were able to do like post poetry and people could engage even though it was like a, again like algorithm wasn't even thought about back then but it's very interesting a lot of those particular platforms don't exist anymore even facebook used to have a section where you could write they call them notes but that doesn't exist anymore either. And I always wonder, is it really that Instagram's the only place to really get that though? Like, because it's all videos and so, now it seems like everything Andy, is real. this. So I'm interrupt you. And here from Robert, Robert, why do you say a poetry design? And that doesn't necessarily be Instagram focused, but you said that you had some potential real thought out descriptions as to why. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think there's, uh, I, let's see, there's other, there's other mediums of arts that are easier to, to digest, uh, and they require less effort, uh, and less, like, literacy. So, like, movies and television, uh, it's a lower threshold entry for audiences. So I think that definitely plays a part. Um, I also think that uh, the art form, like a, like a lot of art forms kind of evolve and they change over time as they try to maybe do different things. And, and poetry did seem to come to this kind of like apex with, uh, with maybe modernism uh, in the same way that kind of maybe Joyce is seen as like a, taking the novel as far as you could possibly take it technically, uh, I th think Eliot did take uh, poetry maybe as far as he could. Um, and now it's gotten, it, it's kind of in this weird kind of abstracts, it's concerned with abstracts, maybe techniques, um, and so it's less relatable to people. And the same way that like visual art has changed over time to, to being purely representative, to becoming more and more abstract over time. And, and that turns people off, I think. So I think the direction that the art has gone no. is maybe a direction that people abstract are not as interested in. What's that? It's an abstract my shit. No, all abstract. Yeah, yeah there's... All abstract. I, well, are we talking about visual art or poetry? Cause... Well, both. Both. <laughs> See, I have a problem with, you know, with... <laughs> you know, I... Wait, what? I, I, love, I like visual... You you a... What's that? You cut out 
when you were talking about you have a problem. I'm like, you have a problem with what? Well, I have a problem with, uh, with poetry when it becomes so highly abstract and subjective that I can't connect with any of its metaphors or its ideas that it's trying to get across. Um, and it seems to not even you can describe. I'm sorry, can you name a piece that you would say is too abstract for your um, able to digest it or enjoy it? Uh, I would say on the spot like that. I would say a lot of the a lot of this, maybe the surrealist movement. Uh, I think Dadaism is maybe the most extreme form of that. Um, okay. Which, which kind of leans into this idea of, of nonsense and kind of destroying any meaning that you can get. Like, I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of maybe Gertrude Stein. I think she veers off too much for my taste sometimes. Um, okay. Most of the time. Uh, yeah, the surrealists. <laughs> yeah, I think the surrealists do it. Uh, they're, they've maybe taken the form to the point of maybe losing the thread with their audience um and that's happened ever since maybe like yeah maybe like 30s onwards 1930s 40s onwards um and you you see that in i think visual art is maybe easier to see that happening in uh you know i i love abstract expressionism too i think there's a lot there and i like rothko and i think there's a lot you can get out of it but you really have to work at it and you kind of understand uh, enough of the history of art that you understand why they're doing what they're doing, and that can turn people off, um, which I think is another point is I think uh, we we kind of uh, have lost the thread of maybe uh, tradition, uh, the tradition of the art form, um, and, and I think when you lose the, the tradition of your art form, uh, you also you lose the art itself. What's that? Can you, define, can you define the tradition of our art form? How would you describe the tradition of the poetry art form specifically? Well, I like how you part, said that. I think you said it very well. But what is what would you describe as this tradition? Uh, you know, the the literary canon going back to you know Homer uh, in the West and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think we've 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 gotten away from uh, for various reasons. We've gotten away from the the traditions and and understanding like how poetry has evolved as an art form in the tradition. And and when you lose that tradition, you like you kind of you you cut your feet off, uh, and and you get to the point where you can say that poetry is kind of anything, which I think is a point that Andy brought up earlier that he doesn't agree with. And I, I think I agree with him on that point. I don't think that you can say that poetry is anything. Um, and I think that that comes from a, a lack of understanding about the tradition. Yeah. Well, I, I have a counterpoint. I have a caveat because I, I did have this conversation with the teacher and I used the metaphor twice and he called me out on it. You don't have to understand protein synthesis for it to be going on through your body. Your body is continuously making protein, taking the DNA and the RNA, and through DNA transcription and RNA translation, protein, and it's happening throughout your body. You don't have to understand that for that to happen through. So uh, sometimes I don't think you necessarily have to understand the tradition behind it to feel it, to want to go through it. Is it maybe more of an access to the concept of, hey, poetry can be you? 
No, I think an art form exists in its tradition. Okay. Like you, uh, you have to understand the tradition in order to appreciate it to move on. Absolutely, and it has to keep being revivified too. You could see this in uh, in in movies, um, in the like the art form of movies. We get a movie maybe every we get at least one, maybe two movies every year that are about the history of movies. Uh, like we just had uh, Babylon is probably the most recent example of that is a movie about movies and about the history of movies. And it, it, it kind of serves a purpose because it continues the tradition uh, so that other people can be brought in and can understand what the tradition is about. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the tradition is literally part of the art form. And if you don't have the tradition, then you don't really have the art form. Interesting. I, I think I need to personally research a little bit more into the tradition in order to have a counterclaim. Because I, I feel like I want to argue with you and debate with you a little bit on this, but I don't think I have the, uh, the artillery yet to, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe on you on this. But I am curious. Because again, uh, we're gonna have a we're having a part two, aren't we? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I might have I might have to cut it off a, a little soon if that's all right. Uh, oh, we can actually wrap up now because I think you're you're really bringing in us into a closing part for us to kind of to to wrap up because again, what is poetry tradition? Again, I think you gave us some really good uh, background as far as going back to the literary consensus consension and on home and but like again. I feel like, a, like again, we're talking about, I'm talking about the youth. We're, we're teachers and there's been other people who have been wanting to connect. Because again, in evolution, we have to have traits that are passed on to the next generation that then they go pass on to the next generation. We're a species because we can pass on our traits and then they can pass on their traits. So just like we said earlier, as far as if we don't have anybody else enjoying this art form as poetry, as whether it's a fan or as a community, then it, that's not going to go on from here. So again, do we need to understand? I think tradition enriches it. Tradition makes it maybe more evolved as, as a, a poetry form, but does tradition need to be understood for somebody who is like 15 years old to get into poetry and to like really thrive off of it? I think, I think it goes back to the movement the generational trauma that we can heal or connecting as a group of people. But um, I think we should come back to this because I think you do actually have more artillery to kind of argue my points back too, Robert. So I, I, I don't want to go into this conversation because I know you want me to get closing this. We should definitely off, we do anyway. a part two soon. We'll DM you for sure. We got to yeah. do a part two, but this is really I'm good totally stuff, cool with but... that. I, I'd love to do that. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. That is another thing I wanted to bring up too. Who had access to these, you know, with poetry tradition, something that's social and emotional and cultural involved as well. So I think this is a really good conversation that we should be having. It's, it's, again, because if we want to keep poetry as an alive art form, it has to move on to the next generation and then to the next generation and then to the next generation. Amen. It gets passed on and passed on. That's good. So with that being said, um, do you have any last thoughts, Robert, before we end this live? Uh, no, I thought this was fun. Thank you guys so much for asking me to do it. And uh, yeah, it was fun to meet you, Angela. It was Angela, right? Yeah, yeah. it was Angela. Angela, yeah. let the thoughts out and let the thoughts out so we're also part of Unraveled and Fun. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. And Andy, thank you for for inviting me again. And uh, I'm happy to do it again. And I thought this was super fun. Yes, yes, I agree. So uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Robert, for doing this and saying yes to us. Um, I, I, like I said, last time we did this, obviously it was a different um, brand, and now we. Re it's an honor and a privilege to do this and have these conversations. Um, Believe it or not, you actually are part of the reason this inspired this rebranding as well. So thank you for that. Um, and again, thank you so much. Uh, we definitely got to do a part two soon. Um, we'll hit you up in the DM soon. And then, yeah, let's take it from there. So guys, thank you for joining us with this amazing conversation. Mm -hmm. um, this Friday night, Elijah yeah. Abraham will be live with us. First hour, then second hour, open mic. Um, open mic, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, we got to get the advertisement out for that. Yeah, uh, Robert, yeah I will. Know, um, was there anything uh, that you wanted to share as far as like any sort of poetry or anything before we got a chance for you to go off on your very own thing or you just were here for the conversation? I just want to make sure you got a chance to say everything or showcase anything because we're also about making sure that people get to know everything and what you're doing as far as who you are and, and who you are as a literary person or a poetic person, whether it's just in the academic part of it, or if you are a poet as well. Yeah, I have some, I have a couple of uh, books that I have self-published. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you check that out in the, the links Absolutely. in my bio and I'm working on a, a, a kind of like a, a longer poem right now, uh, like a book length poem. Um, and I could read, maybe read that, maybe read some of that next time. Um, that would be but, uh, so next time we'll yeah. get, hit you up for the next time. I know you have to get going, but I did want to make sure we got a chance. We'll definitely get, maybe, hey, can you DM one of us for something that we could read for you on the live if, uh, if you're not available to join us on Friday? Can you send us something that we can share from you? Sure, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. So we'll definitely highlight something from you that you wrote on Friday because I think some people also wanted to hear some of your work as well that may have joined us, and we just happened to miss it because the conversation was so freaking good. No, it was I appreciate you great. so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for meeting us. And Leon was also part of our uh, co-hosting team. He had to jump off and was unable to join us again. Uh, Robert, you can just kick yourself off anytime. If you need to go, like you got to go to the restroom, wherever you guys you go ahead. But uh, I'll just wrap up a few last minute things with Andy, if that's cool with you. Uh, I guess okay. you don't have to feel oh, like Thank you, Robert. You are the man. You're free to leave at any time. Okay. But we appreciate it. Hey, you. thank you guys so much. I'll see you later. Perfect. And then All right. Have something that we can share from you. Oh my gosh, Andy, I just no have a few minutes left with you because um, what an incredible conversation. I just want to yeah. wrap up a few things with you as far as I think we came to the conclusion that poetry is not dead, but it's not a lifeline. Um, and we need to figure out how we as a community want to inspire each other to reach out to more or to also, again, encourage the youth. Uh, I, if, they, if you just joined us later, we, I did talk about my uh, in the hallway poll. I work at a high school in uh, somewhere in northern Ohio. And this is a compilation of adult, some adults, the orange posters are uh, the adults in the, so they're educators mainly. And then other colors are just all students throughout the day. But it's a mixed bag, dude. It's a mixed bag. But there were a lot of people who were yeah. interested in still the conversation of poetry. And, and there were kids that came up after, like, oh, are yeah. you with poetry? Like, I feel like. And I think you're right. Yeah. Talk about yeah. the movement piece. Those movements. 
No, no, I, I, I'm gonna just end it with this. I just think, like you said, you just nailed it on the, what's the word? Um, hit the nail on the butt. What was, nip it hit in the, the butt. What's the word? What's the expression? The no, but was it, um, nip, nip, nip it in the bud. Yeah, whatever the, the freak that is. But I think you just hit the nail on the coffin pretty much because at oh, the end God. of the day, it's so <laughs> true. Poetry's dead. I like that idea. Yeah, I think I think I'll conclude with this. I believe I don't think poetry. I think certain aspects of poetry has died, but I don't think all of it has died. If that makes sense, and I believe civilization is trying to kill it, but we keep like the more we raise our voices up, the more we break that glass ceiling. Listen, Allen Ginsberg did it, and there's no reason why we can't do it. And like I said, I think we came close. In 2020, 2021, we can do it again. I don't see why not, and that's all I got to say about that. And I'm pretty much I, just, I think that was perfect. And I don't even want to say anything else. I just want to say thank you to you, uh, Robert Charbonneau, uh, Leon, of course, at uh, Living Canvas. We had so many amazing people join in. This was like our first real conversation through our chat room. So I just want to thank everybody who came out tonight. Um, please let your friends know to check us out on the replay or on YouTube. And we, again, we will be together on Friday, this Friday at 9 p.m., 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. We'll be talking with our buddy, he, uh, uh, Elijah Abraham. He's going to go over some incredible things. And then we're going to hear from you. Open mic, and we'll put the ads out tonight about that. If you want to come on and join the mic, uh, we'll get you on stage from that 10 o'clock, 11. If you go a little bit over 11, it's Friday night. I don't care. So thank you, Andy. Thank you, everybody. And have a wonderful night. We'll see you guys on Friday.